Hello. Yeah. Yeah, I was looking at that coffee, and I was thinking, I didn't get my cup of coffee this afternoon. If you got a cup, you might bring it, because I'd hate to go to sleep up here. This is not to be a good thing. How y'all doing? I am just, again, so proud to be here. And uh, glad to see y'all. I mean, you know, when it's raining, I can hear the conversation. And, Honey, you think we ought to get out in this mess? Well, I don't know. What do you think? You know, and they go, what do you think? I don't know. Before long, well, I guess we got to go. We hurry up and get in the car and come home. Some of them didn't win the argument, though. They're still sitting at home and they said, well, we should have gone. But I'm glad you're here. You know, I really am. And um, like I said, for this last year, not having to preach every Sunday like I have for the last 40 years, I've been able to get my Bible and just read it and, and kind of do what I wanted to do without having to worry about coming up with something for next Sunday. And my main focus, and I'm excited to teach about it tonight, has been what did Jesus say and do that I just need to pay attention to? I've read Paul and all the, I can, this Bible is all marked up from one end to the other. But it was like, I want to read and just, you know, like Paul said, that I might know him, the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings. Yeah. Just a desire to know him. Because if we're talking about witnessing, kind of, not yet, but we're getting there. But if there's anything I've learned in, in witnessing, I've got to understand the Jesus who is in me and around me and already working with the people I'm going to talk to. That has been, I guess, the most fascinating part of witnessing where Jesus told the disciples one time, don't worry about what you're going to say. The Holy Spirit will give you at that very moment what you need to say. And I've seen that happen time and time again. I have seen myself be as dry as a bone trying to witness. I knew everything to say, but I wasn't connected to the vine the way I needed to be. You know what I mean? And, and it all boils down. Jesus gave the great commission, but his last words were what? And lo, I am with you always. And he told the disciples, I'm going to be in you. And you're going to be in me. He says, abide in me. And, and Paul says, I no longer live. Christ lives in me. In the life that I now live, I live by faith in, the, in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And it's like, I'm hungry to understand what that means. I think Charles Stanley wrote a book called The Wonderful Holy Spirit, The Wonderful Spirit-Filled Life. Years and years ago, I read it's one of the best books because... I want to understand, but one thing I've learned about God, you will find me if you surely, if you, whoever diligently seeks me is going to find me. That's right. God is not going to allow you, listen to this, God is never going to allow you to carelessly find him. Never. He's God. You don't go trampling into his courts. He's a friend. But like he said to one of the greatest servants of all time, take off your shoes. The ground you're standing on is holy ground. 
So let, let's pray and let's ask the Lord to speak to our hearts. Let's, we know a lot of the Bible, but let's ask the Lord to take us to a, a deeper level of understanding what he meant when he said, follow me. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that I'm standing here with some people that are hungry for you, hungry to get into your word. Lord Jesus, to be able to look into your eyes and to feel your spirit speak into our hearts. Lord, that you would guide us, enlighten us. Lord Jesus, that we would listen with good, honest hearts, wanting to fix our eyes on you and to press on for the upward call that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So, you know, following Jesus is a multi-stage process, isn't it? I, I like Brother Hazard. You know, he said that uh, we were talking about evangelism training, and I said, now, I'm past the point of doing the ABC. This is how you get into the gospel. This is how you share. This is how you lead to a decision. This is how you assure them of salvation. I've done that with hundreds of people that have never come to church. And I thought, something's missing. What I'm doing is, it's a process. When I was seven years old, I decided that I was going to be a Christian. And so I was going to go witness to my buddy down the road, who was my friend. I went there and saw his shiny new bicycle. And I forgot what my visit was all about. I wanted to ride that bike. He wouldn't let me. So I tricked him into going inside and getting a glass of water. When he went inside, I took off with his bike. What a great evangelist I was. Thank you, brother. Thank you. That's good. That's good. And I wrecked it. Oh, you should have seen how I felt. Face, my face, it was one of those big old holes with the gravel in it in the middle of the road. You know, I was going so fast trying to get it gone the road and back to his house before he got back out with that glass of water. And I went face first into that gravel. And my face was bloody. I was crying. First thing I remember when I got my breath is his dad in a car and him coming over there grabbing that bike, seeing it scratched up brand new. He just got it, you know, and, and then I never saw him again. My dad and sisters had gone to get ice cream. I said, no, I've got a mission to accomplish. I'm going to be a Christian. I didn't tell him that I was thinking that. Crawled over the gate. This was in Ecuador in South America where my dad was a missionary. Went over that 12-foot gate, climbed over it, came down. I was sore and hurting all over. Went to the back, and I thought about my sisters getting ice cream. And there I was, and I was a pitiful shape. And I felt like I'm not going to make it. I can't be a Christian. My dad preached on the lost sheep preached about how that lost sheep had gotten himself so tangled up he couldn't find his way back. And I started to think, that's me. And how the shepherd came to get the sheep. And I realized that's what I needed. And through that, the process took place where I put my faith in Jesus Christ because I knew I needed him. I couldn't do it. That's when I got saved. And I continued to listen to preaching and teaching. And then when I was 13 years old, I was in at Chaco Springs, Alabama. My dad was speaking for the conference there during the week. And right in the middle of that, they asked people who wanted to give their lives 100% to God. It wasn't being saved. It was surrendering. 
And I remember at 13 struggling with that and thinking, Lord, whatever you want to do with my life, I want to give it to you. It's another step of following him. And I meant it. I really meant it. And after that day, I began to think, what are we going to do now? You know, <laughs> I went back to school and everything was the same. And when I was 16 years old, now we're in the Caribbean, the Antigua, where my dad's a missionary. And I remember coming in from a service one night, just thinking, Lord, I just love you so much. I just want you to know I'm, I'm ready to serve you. And that's when the Lord said to me, he said, I've got something special for you to do. And you're going to know when you're 30 years old. And I thought to myself, how in the world am I going to tell anybody that? I don't, even know how I, how, I don't even know how I knew that. I had no idea. I just know the Lord says he speaks to people and you know it when he speaks. That's all I know. And there's a lot of things that I just figured the Holy Spirit's going to have to explain it to you because I can't do it. But I always wonder what was going to happen when I became 30. Well, at 21, Jesus Christ Superstar came out. And they song, Jesus Christ, superstar, do you know who they say you are? Do you believe who you are? And I thought, this world is so screwed up. It's so messed up. I know exactly. Jesus knows who he is. And that's when the Lord put a burden on my heart. Go tell people the truth about me. And I called my preacher up. I was leading music at that time. And I called my preacher up and I said, you know, I think God's calling me to preach. A month later, I was pastor of a little church single 21 year old you know but I was just preaching just Jesus then changed my you know my major at Sanford University went for a major in religion went to seminary you know got married started having kids all that 30 years old was on Easter Sunday morning 1986 a lot to that story but basically God said I want you to be a soul winner and a trainer of soul winners I told the church, I said, you know, I don't know where I'm going to do it, but I know God let me know back when I was 16 that, uh, oh, let me back up. I turned 30 on Easter Sunday morning, but nothing happened that day. That's right. And I said, Lord, nothing happened. He said, you're going to be 30 all year long. <laughs> I forgot that part. It was actually the next Sunday. But anyway, when, when God put that on my heart, I felt so convinced that here's the thing about Jesus. The more you listen to him, the more you're going to recognize his voice. Amen. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Some of you look at me and said, I've never heard God. I heard people tell me that I've never heard God. Or Look, it wasn't an audible voice. But when his spirit is inside with your spirit, there's something that happens sometimes when you know. Sometimes it's just reading the Bible. Experiencing God was one of the best things I ever did. It helped me understand what I've been doing all the time. I've been just hearing God through a lot of different ways. And just, it wasn't me coming up with stuff. It's just joining him. I almost turned this sucker over. If I start drinking this, I might go overtime. <laughs> but, you know, what I'm trying to tell you is my story is different than yours. But in the same way, it's the same because it's all about us having a relationship with Jesus and following him. So I told my church that next Sunday morning, I said, I don't know where I'm going, but I'm resigning at the end of May when school is out. Next week, a pastor from Dallas, I'm from Texas, not Dallas, but Texas calls me and says, Shelby, do you know anybody that I can uh, talk to who wants to teach people to witness? I thought it was a joke. I thought, he's already heard from Texas what happened last week. 
I, and I just played along. I said, well, what do you mean? I said, where's the pastor of a church in Wichita Falls, Texas? They just called me and said, who do you know? We'd like, we want to hire somebody to teach people to witness in this church. I couldn't believe it. A week later, I was flying to Faith Baptist Church in Wichita Falls, Texas. And I'm watching a church that had grown from 300 to 550. And I think I told you about that church. That's, that's the one that had that 85 people on the average visiting every Monday night. That's what I was telling the Brother Hazard. And that's when he said, man, I wanna, I, I, we need to do something like that. And I, you know, when I left in May, got there, you know, I resigned, left in May, I was there a week later. There was not a week left out that I was not paid. And one of the things, the scriptures, that mean so much to me, to me it's like a window to the heart of God. It's one of those scriptures that if you look at it, God has given you a glimpse into himself. Uh, Hebrews eleven six. For without faith, it's impossible to please him. For those that come to him, two things, must believe that he is. You better believe he's there. I always thought if he's really there, I, he can talk to me and I can hear him. Believe that he is. And number two, he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And I began to understand, you know what God wants? He wants me to want him bad. He wants me to hurt in wanting him. That's kind of what Paul was saying. I count all things but lost that I might know him. So witnessing is not something really you do for Jesus. You do it with Jesus because you love Jesus. If you love me, you'll obey me. Your love relationship is the gas in the tank that drives you to obedience. You don't obey because you have to do it. You obey because you want to do it. Your biggest grievance is the fact that you don't obey like you should, right? I know mine is. So I had an amazing, I mean, I can go on and on. I could write a book about all these things, but we better get to this right here because Thinking of my experiences in life and having some time to focus, Jesus says, follow me. And I heard him say a lot of other things. I looked at uh, one of the pastors in, in that many people know about, talked about the purpose-driven life, and he's been in the news here lately, but I look at the, the things he taught was good. He said, first base is when you get membership with the body of Christ. Second base is when you get maturity. That's when you grow. Third base is, is ministry. You're going to grow in ministry. And the last, the home plate is missions. You're going to do missions. He, he was basically saying there's steps to take in your spiritual life. Amen? Grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. What are the steps? When Jesus says, follow me, I guarantee you he has in mind where he's going. Do you believe that? And he knows the hairs on your head. He's got a distinct path for every single person in this room that's different. The snowflakes are all different because, and you are different. He made you in such a, he knows everything about you. He knows what you're going to say before you even say it. 
But there are some specific things that I found in Scripture that to me make up the heart of the person who's going to become an effective witness. When Jesus says, follow me, where does he want you to go? Well, just to review, remember the seed and the good soul, the ones who have heard the word in the honest and good heart and hold it fast and bear fruit with perseverance. Just because this is important. If there's anything I have found that is most important in my walk with God, it's learning to listen to God. There's nothing more important. In fact, I'll tell you this. Every time you come into this house, when you hear what God's, not me, but what God is saying to you, you're going to walk out of here with more or less. Be careful how you listen. Whoever has more shall be given. You don't have whatever you thought you had is taken away from you. The Holy Spirit is actively working in you right now, depending upon how interested you are, not in me, but in what God wants to say. And, and the things that we heard from here is honest. You know, I was listening to a song by uh, Art Garfunkel this week, and he said it was something along the lines that you, you listen you hear, you listen to what you want to hear and you disregard the rest. That's a dishonest heart. You listen to what you want to hear and you disregard the rest. Let me tell you something. If you really want to hear the Holy Spirit, you better hear everything he says. You cannot pick and choose. That's a dishonest person that comes and says, well, that's okay for them, but it's not for me. Let me tell you, when Jesus says, if anyone wishes to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me, anyone. And there's some things that apply to everybody in this room. And you can, and so an honest heart and, and a good heart you listen to and do. Jesus would say you hear and act. That's a good heart. And to hold it fast. You know, I, I thought about that. I changed the wording a little bit. You remember the thing that says keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith? Run with endurance. How do you do that? How do you maintain your Christian walk? How are you going to maintain a life that is going to become a, a witness and trying to grow as a witness? I tell you how you do it. You keep your eyes on Jesus. Amen. Because if I can talk you into it, somebody else can talk you out of it. But I love to see people that I had been able to disciple and train to witness that all of a sudden I saw what I called they got on holy autopilot. They didn't come to witness because I had to get them there. They came because they wanted to come whether I was going to be there or not. Fix your eyes on Jesus and then you bear fruit with perseverance. I love what Paul said and, and we'll, we'll look, it's in your notes. Paul said, he said, For, I haven't arrived yet in Philippians 3. I'm, I'm not what I'm supposed to be. But if there's one thing I do, I forget what's behind and I keep pressing on, that's bearing fruit with perseverance. I keep pressing on, and he says, for the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I'm going to tell you something. If you're going to walk with Jesus, he's always going to lead you on an upward call. You're always going to go higher than you were before. It's always going to be better than it was before. It's going to require more discipline. It's going to require more commitment. And the devil's going to meet you harder, too. That's just how it is. And some folks don't want to follow Jesus all that way. I like the dinner on the ground and the singing and a little teaching. But I don't want to go all the way down there. Yeah. 
And the Holy Spirit says, well, just fossilize them. All right, so that's the review. How far will you go to follow Jesus? Well, you know, um, th here's the, the, the scripture that, that I was talking about. And earlier, last, last week or two weeks ago, Jesus said the one who hears and acts is like the one who does deep. And, and you know, the Holy Spirit is always watching your heart to see how serious you are of digging deep with him. Always. All right. So that's where Paul says he's reaching forward to what lies ahead. The call of God. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God. So, what does Jesus say it means to follow me? I just began to look at that and think about my life, and I want you to consider these things. I don't have time to get into each of these like I'd really like to, but if you were to go through the New Testament and look at some of those sayings that you know, wow, that's one of those cornerstone statements. Of course, we know the first one is believe in me, right? John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in me shall have eternal life. Belief. Jesus never said go out and get decisions. He said go out and make disciples. I told my grandchildren one of the Bible studies I have with them, I said, you know what, if you love somebody, you're not just going to believe about them, you're going to believe in them. Yeah, pops. And then you're also going to believe in everything they say. Yes, Pops. And then whatever they say is going to be important to you. Yes, Pops. And then whatever they want from you is going to be something you want to do for them. Yes, Pops. And how they feel is going to be important to you. Yes, Pops. I want to tell you something. To believe in Jesus, and you better hear me fair and square, to believe in Jesus is a whole lot more than praying a prayer, believing the facts about Jesus. The devil believes. That's demonic faith. Faith without works is dead. What is James saying? He's trying to say, if you believe in him, what he says means a lot to you. You might not always do it, but I'm going to tell you something. You set your course for the upward call. But what we're trying to do tonight is make clear, in fact, I'm ashamed that I didn't start this when I was 21 years old in my preaching. Believe in me. And you see that? That's a baseball diamond. When you hit the ball and you get baptized, you're in the game. Amen? And what's the next thing he says? We love this one too. Come to me. Come to me. That's the Psalm 23 kind of come to me. In fact, Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I want to tell you something. If you know anything about Jesus, you know he cares for the hurting. Amen? If there's anything we do in Sunday school, we pray for the hurting people in our church. And that's a good thing. But what I'm saying is, so many times we stay around first base. Maybe make it to second. But for some reason, we don't see ourselves going on and we're going to get there. Come to me. Look at what Jesus said he was called to do. In Luke chapter 4, when he stands and reads out of Isaiah, he said, I'm here to give good news for the poor. Amen. Did you ever feel poor? I feel poor. The things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I end up doing. There's no condemnation now to those who are in Christ Jesus. Blessed are the poor. I am bankrupt spiritually. I hate to tell you. Well, really, I don't. 
but I'm going to walk in the light because I found out something. If, they, if I hide my failures from God, that doesn't go to my good. But if I'm honest with God and walk in the light, I can be continually cleansed by the blood of Jesus. If I say I have no sin, I'm, I'm, I'm a liar. Truth, the reality is not even in me. And, and so, you know, he's giving me good news. I can get a bath every morning. And I'm not talking about H2O. And release to the captives. Recover your sight to the blind. Set free those who are oppressed. Jesus says, come to me. And so a part of his, come and follow me. Come and find out how you can find freedom. Come and find out how you can have the water of life. And you're going to have, you know, be set free. Amen. But I'm going to tell you, God didn't save us to sit on our blessed assurance. Amen. <laughs> Some of us, sometimes we just sit sour and soak. You know, we sit soaking sour. We're maybe not in that. Up. So the next thing you find is he says, learn from me. Now, we, we do pretty good on that. How many of y'all go to Sunday school? Man, aren't y'all a fine looking group of Baptists? We do that. And you see him saying that when he says in Matthew eleven twenty nine, 29, take my yoke upon you, learn from me. I'm gentle and humble in heart and you'll find rest for your souls. You know, I find that as I'm going on this upward move from the time I got saved to the time he called me at 13 to the time he called me at 21 to begin preaching to the time at 30 that he focused me on witness training. You know what I find? He is gentle every step of the way. Can I get an amen? amen. If there's anything I know, he loves me, casting all my cares upon him because he cares for me. But if there's something else I know, he says, learn from me. You know what a yoke is? It makes you go his pace. There's a lot of times you and I in churches do things that God's not a part of. You follow what I'm saying? It's not merciful. It's not redemptive. It's not it's judgmental. It, there, it, it's, it's not Jesus. It doesn't leave the grace and peace. His yoke restrains you from working in the flesh, right? It also keeps you from working so hard that you forget about the people you're supposed to love. Sometimes you're so energetic trying to work for God, you get God confused with job. I mean, there's a lot of things. But the yoke also gives you him to walk with you. Now, you know those things. Learn from me. I like it. You'll find rest for your soul. So here we're going. We're following Jesus. Believe in me. Come to me. Learn from me. But then in 2 Timothy, again, it mentions about people who are always learning but never coming to the knowledge of the truth. This is especially important in the area of witnessing. You know what the word truth means? I saw this years ago. And ever since then, I've, I've realized the word truth means reality. You learn about Jesus, yet you never come to the reality of him living in you. The Holy Spirit is just a mystery. Jesus in you is just something you know, the facts, but you don't experience it. See, when you're witnessing, you're going to find times that you don't know what to do. You have to either believe he's with you and just trust him if he wants to tell you something or not that he's not going to tell you 
because he doesn't want to tell you anything right now. I've learned more about Jesus and the Holy Spirit witnessing than I have doing anything else. And if you know, if you've been out there, you'll see situations. There was one time that I was in North Carolina and um, I might have even told you this. I might tell these stories a hundred times because they just keep coming back. If I do, just somebody say, praise the Lord. But anyway, I had a team of two people. We had three addresses. We didn't find any at home that it was a good time to visit. And so the third one, we couldn't even find the address. So we're at the end of the cul-de-sac and these people, I'm looking at them and they're thinking ice cream. So we got an hour to go. We're not going to get ice cream. We're going to find out if there's somewhere God wants us to go. Because I really began to be more consciously aware of the fact that no matter where I am, Jesus is there. I need to think that. I need to consciously be aware of that. And so we're standing at the end of this, this cul-de-sac, and I'm looking there saying, just listening. You know the Bible says, be still and know that I'm God? Sometimes that's just what you do. You don't know what to do. Well, be still and know that he's God. He can impress you. He can tell you what he wants you to do. You see, this thing of witnessing, you know, Brother Shelby talked about, I don't want to ABC, because sometimes you go through the process and you talk people into something that they're never going to do anything about. The Holy Spirit wasn't in that. So I'm sitting there and I'm looking at these yards and there's a water sprinkler. Let me tell you something. I don't understand how all this works. <laughs> I, have, I don't have an ABC for that. All I know is I saw a yard with the water sprinkler and something inside of me just said, go there. Okay. Now, he's gentle. Remember Elijah? He wasn't in the tornado. He wasn't in the earthquake. He wasn't in all that fire and all. He was in a gentle breeze. And one of the problems of people not really hearing and being sensitive to the Holy Spirit they don't have enough faith to just be quiet and trust and listen and believe that if he's going to tell you something, he will. If not, then go on. It's good. I knocked on the house and this lady comes and all of a sudden I realized I don't know what to say to her. And then I had this address on that street that we couldn't find. So I just kind of blurted out. We're trying to find this address right here. And uh, I, I don't know, uh, you know, where, where it is. Can you help us find it? You know, I was kind of a little nervous. And she said, I don't know where that address is, but could you come in and visit me? I'd already told her from a church. And I remember thinking, that's the weirdest thing anybody's ever said. I've knocked on a lot of doors. I've never had somebody say, but could you visit me? And I was like, inside I was shouting, yes. But outwardly I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and so me and my two team members, and they're like scratching their heads like, man, is this how this works? This is cool. And uh, so we're following this lady back to the living room. And she said, just a minute, I got to go back and tell my husband that he's cooking. I'm going to tell him to wait because I've got to talk. So she came back and then she said, um, could we talk aside? She saw the two people there. She wanted to talk personally with me. I found out why. She said, 30 minutes ago, I was in my bathroom contemplating suicide. She's a beautiful, like, 30-year-old woman who is not the person you'd think is going to give up on life. She said, I was raised in the Church of Christ. And 
I began to realize I can't be a Christian. It's too hard. Too many rules. You know, because some churches preach legalism. You got to do this, 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 or you're not going to be saved. And she'd come to conclude as a young person that I can't be a Christian. Then when she had a little girl, a beautiful little blonde-headed girl, she said, I'm going to be a good enough mother to help my little girl become a Christian. That was her thoughts. And for those four or five years, she tried her best, and she said, you know what? I can't do that either. And I, don't, I just don't want to live. And she said, in my bathroom, 30 minutes ago, I prayed, God, please send somebody to talk to me. Man, chills were just going over me. And, and, and in the, in, you know, when the Bible talks about signs and wonders, well, that was an absolute wonder to me. I'm like, I don't know how that water sprinkler happened, this and that, and the breeze blew through the trees and the leaves were rustling. Jesus said, that's how it is with people who are born of the Spirit. I, I don't understand that. But you know what I do understand is my walk with Jesus is absolutely vital if I'm going to be effective and listening to him and listening to people. Because some people aren't ready for Jesus right now. Some people I feel like knocking in the head. And I need Jesus to keep me from doing that. But I need sensitivity. Because the Bible, we're going to do a lesson on the Holy Spirit. The Bible says the Holy Spirit will guide you. It will teach you. It will remind you. You give you words to say. He is already convicting the lost of righteousness, of sin, and, and, and of judgment. He's already working in the hearts of people. And I've got to understand God who knows the hairs on everybody's head is already out there. I'm not going out there trying to talk people into being saved. I am just being obedient to be where I need to be and I need to listen to what God's doing. And that's not something I learned in seminary, folks, believe it or not. They didn't have a class on there's how to listen to God. No. The reason, and we're not going we're gonna to continue this next week, but the reason I'm fo focusing on when Jesus says, follow me, any, any step along the process where you say to God, not going any further, God walks out the door. Oh, he'll let you have a little bit, a little bit of power, a little bit of learning. You Sunday school, we're doing good. But remember, the Bible says, in the last days, they'll have a form of godliness. Oh, they all come to Sunday school and learn, but they're denying the power. That's serious. And you either believe that and think about it. And if you if you listening and right now you just stop listening, that's what some people do. They did it with Jesus. Some of them want to turn around and kill him because they didn't get. They just got mad and he kept getting them upset because they weren't doing what. You know, I just can't do all that stuff. But anyway, I, I sat her down and I went through the gospel and I saw somebody in tears receive the grace of Jesus Christ. And when she understood, I, I said, here's a chair right here. I, I remember that part of the, of the gospel. I said, see this chair? This chair is everything you're trying to do to be a Christian. Do this, don't do that, do this. And I said, most people are sitting right there. They don't, they don't know if they're going to heaven or not, but they're trying to do the best they can, and they're, they're failing. They feel terrible. 
and, and they see this chair over here, and this chair over here represents what Jesus has done for you on the cross. This chair over here represents Jesus has lived a perfect life for you. And you, you can't just believe that he did it. You've, you've got to trust in him. And she blurted out, I've been sitting in that chair. How do I get to that one? And I told her, this is what you do. Can I sit down? Y'all can still kind of see me. I sat down and said, you just got to decide that you're going to step over here. And from now on, you're going to rest your soul in the hands of Jesus. What he did on the cross, he's lived a perfect life for you. And Jesus said, you got to take up your cross every day. Every day, you got to go back to him and say, Lord, I, I need your grace today. I'm still not what I'm supposed to do. And she just started crying. She says, how can I do that? And, and she was already in the heart of repentance. She was already in the state of sorrow and mourning. She just needed some good news. And of course, one of the things I've seen is some people need to get lost before they get saved. And a lot of people think they're getting saved because they got fire insurance, but they haven't done anything about their sins yet. They don't see the conviction. And there's a whole process I'll take you through there. I've, I've watched about five to ten steps that people take going through the process of coming to Christ as I've just identified those, those things. I've seen them indifferent. I've seen them responsive. I've seen them interested. I've seen them concerned. I've seen them convicted. I've seen them convicted without me getting converted. And, and so it's just the, the steps that people go through. And um, that's the reason that God's purpose was to have evangelists for the equipping of the saints. Because our work, my work, is to just help people understand how this kind of fits together in a specialized way. But it doesn't matter if you're a pastor or evangelism equipper or a teacher or a deacon or a regular Sunday school member, it does not matter the position you hold. Every one of us follow Jesus the same. In fact, Jesus said, don't let many of you be called teachers. You will suffer the greater condemnation. You have a greater responsibility to know what Jesus says when he says, follow me. And so, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the reality of the calling of Jesus, the reality of the Holy Spirit. So he says, then next to me, serve like me. The disciples had understood, believe in me, come to me, and um, learn from me, and serve like me. I've been watching y'all. Y'all have a good time together, don't you? I mean, I can just about hear y'all say, I love us. You know? Isn't it fun? And y'all got this cool thing going where somebody brings some day-old bread and goodies or whatever, then y'all take it to people. That's wonderful because service is fun. And, and most, most people, some people come to church just to sit, soak, and sour, right? But some people actually get involved in ministry. Amen? Well, that's what this is. The calling is, and this is the picture, you know, at the Lord's Supper before he was going to be crucified, Jesus takes... His gar sets aside his garments, takes a towel, girds himself, pours water into the basin, begins to wash the disciples' feet and wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. Can you imagine the Son of God 
who didn't see equality with God something to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant and being obedient to the point of death. That's Jesus. If you want to follow him, look at where he's going because you better be ready to go there too. And so he, he does that. He washes their feet and takes, and then he took his garment and reclined to the table again. He said, do you know what I've done to you? Are you and I listening to Jesus? Most of us focus more on the fact that I'm saved and going to heaven rather than what is my next step in following Jesus. And God knows how important his words are to you by the way you respond. I know when my kids were listening to me and when they weren't. Yeah. I know when my grandkids are listening and when they're not. You see, Jesus is your opportunity to really show him how much you love him. And, and so Jesus says, do you know what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, you're right for so I am. If then I, the Lord, your teacher, washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Truly I say to you, a slave is not greater than his master, nor is one who is sent greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. You know one of the things that church did, Faith Baptist Church in Wichita Falls? They said, if my Lord wants me to go visiting, then we're going to cut out one night of the week, and that's going to be our contribution to the kingdom of God. That's our time to do the work of outreach in this community. Let me tell you something. You're not going to do what you expect. You're going to do what you plan. If you fail the plan, you're going to plan to fail. That's just how that is. You know why you come to Sunday school? Because you got it in your system, right? We know what you do. Um, and that church on Monday night, when they started with the staff and the leaders and the, uh, the Sunday school teachers and the others, everybody came together as a group to say, you know what? The Lord wants us to serve, and serving is doing more than serving one another. We pray for each other a hundred times more than we pray for the people outside the walls of this church. My, church, my house is filled, but my fields are empty, says this, that song. Who will go and work for me today? The harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. Let me tell you something. Those aren't just words. It's the heart of Jesus. And the way you listen to them reflects how much you really value Jesus. You believe that? Now, Jesus said that if you're going to follow me, anybody wishes you want to pick up your cross. You know what? Picking up a cross means I'm going in the direction I don't want to go. When Jesus picked the cross up and went to Calvary, he was going in a direction he did not want to go. He prayed to blood coming out of his sweat glands. Father, please take this from me. Don't make me do this. Is there any other way? You remember that? You see, right before Luke 9.23 and Luke 9.22, Jesus says, I'm taking the cross. I'm going to be killed. And I'm going to be scourged. I'm taking my cross. Then he says, if anyone wishes to follow me, you're going to have to take up your cross. You're going to have to do some things that you don't want to do. And I guarantee you, there's a lot of Monday nights I did not want to go visiting. I can probably ask half the people there, and I didn't want to go. 
but I know this is what we decided to do. And some of them went out and they said, we know we didn't see anybody tonight, but you know what? We went out for Jesus. And we're glad we did. You see, when you listen to what Jesus is saying and you hear this, you've got to make a decision. Are you honestly following in line with what it means to press on for the upward call? Or have you just plateaued? You say, well, I'm retired, I'm older. My daddy was a missionary, he retired and still went on 26 mission trips until he died at 92 years old. Because when you follow Jesus, you don't just do it until one day you decide I'm done. You, you just, Lord, how can I follow you today? How can I make use of the time because the days are evil? And, and, and so, you know, Jesus says, and follow me, he says, serve like me. And we got time for, yes, we've got 15 more minutes. Now this is so important because in John 15, Jesus began to say, you need to be fruitful. In other words, you can't, you know, if I have an apple tree, I might be happy because the apples I got on it last week, they got an apple cobbler out of that thing. And, and 10 years before that, when my grandmother was living, she made apple pies out of it. But now it's a new year. I'd like some apples this year. Follow what I'm saying? And be fruitful. Jesus says in John 15, 16, you didn't choose me, but I chose you and I appointed you that you should go and produce fruit. Amen. Jesus, and there's a lot of different, there's fruit of the lips, which is the fruit of praise, confession. There's also fruit for eternal life, which is John 4, where Jesus talks to his disciples after the woman at the well and says, this is for fruit for eternal life. You've reaped what other people have worked with. And that's a whole other lesson, how you and I work together. Some plant, some water, some harvest, some preserve. There's a lot of different parts that we play in this. Mm -hmm. All right. But Jesus said, I chose you. Remember what he did to that fig tree that didn't have figs on it? And the disciples came back later and I thought, whoa, he's serious about fruit, isn't he? Yeah. Jesus, when he was saying, be careful how you listen, he threw in this verse that for the longest time, I, I just didn't understand how it fit in. And then I, all of a sudden it just hit me. He says, be careful how you listen. And then he says, he's, he's, I like saying, you better listen to what I'm saying now. He says, no one after lighting a lamp covers it over with a container or puts it under a bed, but he puts it on a lampstand so that those who come in may see the light. And all of a sudden it hits me. Jesus is saying, when I come into your heart, I come into your life and I help you have rest for your soul, I want you to be a light for me. That's right. That's my reason I do it. You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. Don't hide yourself. Amen. Find a way to get the light out. Yes. Find a way to work together. If you don't know how to do it, then begin saying, Lord, please help me find some people who will help me do what you want me to do. Amen. Be fruitful. You know, somebody said earlier tonight, I said, y'all remember when we used to have those revivals and stuff? That was so good. You know what? We need to have a revival every day with Jesus. And we need to be thinking about what you have on your notes right there and say, Lord, I desperately want to do this. He's saying, I didn't make you a light to be put under a bed. And it's right after this verse 
that's Luke 8, 19. It was Luke 8, 18 where he said, be careful how you listen for whoever has more shall be given. Okay. So where are we? Jesus said, you know how to glorify my father. My father's glorified when you bear fruit. I had a guy, a pharmaceutical rep in, in Texas, part of our going out visiting on Mondays. I was able to go to his house. He visited our church. And, and, and I'm going to just throw this in here real quick. There's two types of people that I see Jesus witnessing to. One are those coming to him. That was Nicodemus. Nicodemus came to him, right? Folks, everybody that comes in this church is not a member ought to be able to have a visit for somebody to find out what they're looking for. And not just glad you came to church. You need to know how to talk to him. Well, tell me, you ever think about spiritual things? Well, tell me, you ever think about being ready to meet God? Well, tell me, what brought you to our church? And then if they don't know what to say, then you can, well, can I tell you what God did in my life and, and how God has spoken to me? You're trying to stir up whatever's there. That's the Nicodemuses that are coming. Then you have the Samaritan woman. Those are the people you got to go out and find. They're hurting. Jesus always said, go out there and take care of the sick. He said, heal the sick. I wish he'd give us some, some of that today. That'd be wonderful. But you know what? At the end, he just said, if you visited the sick, you were visiting me. If you're feeding the hungry, you're feeding me. If you're giving water to the thirsty, if you're visiting the, the orphan, you're doing it to me. If you're visiting those in jails, you're doing it for me. He's trying to say there's some hurting and oppressed people that you can go to and just simply love on. And you're going to have something to say to them that's going to bless them. And the light can shine, maybe reflect out of them. And they can come and find Jesus. And all of a sudden, they're coming next to you saying, who else can we go see? Amen. My father is glorified. This pharmaceutical rep came to Christ and then he said, I want to take you to lunch. So we had a lunch. <clears throat> Finally got around to what he wanted to say. He said, I feel so relieved since I came to Christ. I, I just can't tell you how good I feel. And I don't know how to say thank you. And I said, the most significant way you can say thank you to Jesus is by helping other people know who he is That's right. and what he did inside of you. Mm -hmm. He said, well, how do I do that? So I was able to help him. Some of us need to go back and revisit our thank you. Some of us need to say, Lord, renew my thank you. Make me like a new baby again, Lord, and just give me a heart that although I don't really know what to say, I'm going to put myself out and say, Lord, here I am. That's what I did when I was 13. I didn't know where I was going to go. Jesus said, follow me. He said, okay, I'm going. Here we go. And, and that's where it is. My Father is glorified. Jesus is saying fruitful. You see, we tend to focus on this verse, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, you know, uh, it's a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one should boast. Amen? Amen. We talk about being saved. It's about time to talk about the next verse. We're his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works. God saved us so that now we can start serving him. Become fruitful for him. Keep following him. Growing in Christ does not end in the Sunday school class. Have I got that straight? All right. And so what you got to do is say, what do we got to do to get ready to go fishing? Let's get the boat ready. Get some rods and reels, get some bait. Let's figure out where the fish are. And let's start going out. 
That's why Jesus chose fishermen because he knew that they could have good days and bad days, but they're going to still keep going. And so follow me. Believe in me. Come to me. Learn from me. Serve like me. Be fruitful. And this is where you and I begin to desperately need the help of the Holy Spirit. Follow what I'm saying? Because your sins will find you out, right? You're going to struggle with the flesh. There's so much stuff out there to drag you down. And you're going to want to do what Jesus says, but you don't feel worthy. When Jesus says, abide in me, you put that with all those other things that Paul says. Set aside the flesh. You sow to the flesh, it's going to be death. You sow to the spirit, it's going to be life. How do you sow? It's whatever you make no provision for the flesh. All those things. You see, Jesus, when he was getting ready to leave, abide in me. He says, I'm the vine. You know this scripture well. Every branch that does not produce fruit, he removes. Jesus is saying to you, if you're not serious about being fruit bearing for him, he says, I'll take you out. What does that mean? He's killed you? No. He cuts off the spirit. He will cut it off. And, and, you know, that is a horrible thing to be in a shape for as a pastor when you're trying to preach and all of a sudden you realize there's some things in your life that you need to do that you're not doing or things you need to quit that you are doing. And you know you got to, and you're afraid because the Holy Spirit stops the holy flow if you got a dirty glass, a dirty vessel. And you got to get on your face before God and say, oh, Lord, God, cleanse me. And that's why Jesus said, you're going to have to pick up your cross every day. Every day. And it's wearisome, isn't it? You know what Paul said when the last letter he wrote? I have fought the fight. But I kept the faith. Mm-hmm. Amen. I have finished Amen. my course. He'd still say, I haven't gotten there yet. <laughs> but there's one thing I do. I forget about behind. Why do you forget the past? Because sometimes we can get so prideful and boastful and say, I've done everything, I'm fine, I'm just going to sit back and relax. That's a terrible thing for retired people, isn't it? Those old bones get old. But I like what Paul said. Our ambition is to please him. Mm-hmm. To me to live is Christ. And and, and you have to make up your mind, how important is Jesus to you? It's going to make a difference in everything you hear. Are you going to, like Art Goffrunkel said, listen to what you want to hear and disregard the rest? Jesus talks about that vine. He says, abide in me and I in you. You cannot bear fruit of yourself unless you're abiding the vine. You know, I think you could do a long week of study on just what it means to abide in Jesus. But if there's one thing I know, when you're witnessing uh, essence, a heart of that is you knowing and feeling and sensing God and trusting him, knowing that you're going to be obedient. You don't know how the results are going to take place, the visits, but you're going to be faithful and you're going to make yourself available. (coughs) Faithful, available. And, And some of you are saying, I can't visit or I can't do that. You know what the good news is? 
God has gifted us in the body with a lot of different gifts. Some of us are not the people that knock on the door. Some of us are the people that stand behind them, scared, praying for them. Go get them, son. Some of us are the people at church praying for them. Some of us are the people in the office who are keeping up the records and making sure the records are done right. Some of us are making the pies, the pies and the cakes to give them to take them out to people. See, the thing is, we all know we're in the ship called a fellowship, and we're going to work together to get that thing going the way it needs to on Monday night. And, and it's, it's, you know, everybody's not called to be an evangelist, but we're all called to be lights. Mm-hmm. We're different members of the body. Mm-hmm. Scripture is clear about that. But in following Jesus, if we are the body, we've got to all figure out how, we, how can we all come together and find our place. So anyway, that, I'm, you know, I'm just kind of hitting some, some upcoming parts of this study. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch dries up. They gather them and cast them into the fire. Let me tell you what happened. Did any of y'all experience this this winter? Some of your bushes died. You know, I was so excited about spring and those laurels. I, they are so beautiful. You know what I did? Yep. Cut them down. Little stubs are growing now. You know, I'm going to have some nice laws another year or two. You know what happened to the rest of it? Yep. It's not there now. Got them all burned up. You know what Jesus says? If you, when he said, if you don't bear fruit, he removes you. But when he says, if you don't abide in me, if you don't stay close to me, if you're not honest with me and what I'm asking you to do, if you're honest about following me and you're, you're going to try to not stick with me and do what we're talking about and yoke up with me and all of that, he says, you're going to burn. You're not real. They left us because they weren't of us from the beginning. When the disciples asked, and listen to this is our closing things here. When the disciples asked Jesus about the signs of the end of times, he'd said the temple's going to be destroyed. In Matthew 24, Jesus talks to them about it, and he says, I'm going to tell you about five foolish virgins that had no oil. Had a form of godliness. So they were in church, they looked good, but there was no spirit of God in them because they didn't even care to do the things God said to do. It was just all a religion to them. You, You follow what I'm saying? What happened? Shut the door. I don't know you. That's a scary thing to be in a church and be a form of godliness, but not have. God is serious about it. It's not a prayer you pray, but you believe in Jesus. It's more than just praying a prayer, right? Mm -hmm. You believe not about him, but in him. And then he talks about the wicked, lazy slave who didn't invest. Five talents, he did something. Two talents, did something. The one with one hit it. He called him wicked because, for one, he disrespected his owner. Let me tell you something. If you don't follow Jesus after what he did for you on the cross, you are disrespected him, respecting him in the highest order. Wouldn't you agree? No matter who you are, what position you've got. Absolutely. Wicked. Lazy. I'm just going to sit on my blessed assurance. Folks, because of what Jesus did, we cannot afford to not say, Lord, here am I. Use me. However, cast out that worthless, worthless slave. Abide in me. Do you need Jesus to work in your heart? I know I do. Every day. I'm just one beggar telling another beggar where I found some bread.
Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you so much for your love. I thank you, Lord, for your goodness. And, and Jesus, help us to know that when you say, follow me, you just want us to gently take you by the hand and as we're going to learn to yoke up with you, to learn from you, to believe in you, to serve like you. Lord, I just pray that this is stirring our hearts to say, Lord, give me more. Lord, help me to spend more time getting to know you and what you want me to do that I can bring glory to the Father who so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that I would not perish but have eternal life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay, yeah. keep your seat. Uh, Pastor, oh, there you are right there. I knew you was going to be there. All right. Man, y'all, y'all give it up for Shepard, please. Thank you. 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 Fantastic. If revival will break out on a Wednesday night, imagine that. That's just contrary to Baptist tradition, isn't it, um, Sheldon? Can't so, do it. Can't, can't, can't do it. They can't have a problem on this night. Um, did everybody get the slip, the sheet that he brought tonight? I tried to get around and give it to everybody. everybody. You did not get one? Okay, there you go, Raymond. Raymond one and Raymond two right there. So, All right, uh, announcements right quickly, then we'll be dismissed. Angie, why don't you come up here and do yours first on the uh, Women's Ministry Paint Fellowship Night? So we are doing the canvas painting this Sunday evening from 5 to 7. If you have not signed up, um, you can do it tonight. So quickly, this is like your last call to sign up. I've got to give her the numbers this evening. So love to have you there. We've got a decent group, but we can always have more. Does, ladies, does everybody understand exactly what it is? Not bigger for me? Okay. So you don't have to be a professional painter right. to, come, to come do this. And that, that was the whole reason why I wanted to explain that. Okay, uh, just some announcements right quick. Tomorrow morning, 8 a.m., Red Zone Breakfast and Fellowship at Bojangles right across the street. Uh, this Saturday, June 24th, 9 a.m., Men's Breakfast. And our own Nathan McFarlane is going to speak to us uh, that, that day. So please uh, be here for that. That will be in the youth room back there where it normally is. Be sure when you leave tonight to pick up a vacation Bible school yard sign uh, right as you go out. They're right there in the, in the front foyer. You can see them fine. Pick up one of those and uh, put, it, put it in your in your yard so we can uh, uh, promote vacation Bible school because it is right around the corner, my friends. I mean, right around the corner. And then the Portico Baby Bottle Drive ends this Sunday morning, June the 25th. So the baby bottles, if, if, if sometimes that's it's difficult to, to track on that because we announce it real big and then it kind of then in between Mother's Day, Father's Day, we kind of lose sight of it. So you've got time this week if you want to grab a bottle or two and put some change in it and bring it back, that'd be great uh, to help uh, to help Portico with the great work they do. Any last word before we dismiss? Any last word at all? Okay, would you all stand and I'll pray to dismiss us. Shelby, thanks again, brother. Boy, this was, this was the right decision bringing you here. I'm learning that for sure. So would y'all agree with that or do we need to let it go? Okay. All right. 
Lord, thank you so much uh, for Brother Smith bringing him to us, God. And uh, just the, the work that you have done in him is just so obvious. He has got such a heart for you and your word. And uh, wanting to see other people, uh, Lord, get over their fear, timidity of going out and sharing their faith with other people, people that don't know you. Uh, Lord, it's been a great benefit to me, both these sessions. I'm so looking forward uh, to many more nights of this, Father. I thank you for Parkway Baptist and uh, the great work that uh, this church has done in the past and the great work that's in the future. Uh, I thank you for um, just for everything, our leadership, the ministries, everything, Lord. And I just pray you be with us as we leave this place tonight and bring us back together uh, this coming Sunday. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good night. Live feed. See everybody later. <laughs>